I've got hundreds of stories, hundreds of stories. I've had a machete in my head. I've had, um, I mean, wow, where to even begin? There's always an opportunity for people to learn. Welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. Today we have Rakesh Rutsman Rak. Rakesh, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks very much for coming. Uh, So this podcast, we explore permaculture professionals, education, and if appropriate, business. Uh, Rakesh, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. I mean, well, I'm Rakesh. Uh, Rootsman Rack is actually my DJ name, but I use it a lot for um, when I'm teaching, when I'm designing, etc., etc. So it's my kind of public persona. Um, born and brought up in London, England. Uh, parents are from India. Um, so as a kind of um, first generation born here, you know, born into to kind of poverty. Um, Many of the things that I just took for granted as a, you know, just things that we needed to do to survive is basically what's really informed a lot of my life and informed a lot of the work that I do now. So it's just coming from that kind of harsh reality of not knowing where your next meal is coming from kind of thing, Um, just hunkering down and just figuring things out. That's pretty much driven everything I've done. My background is I I started working as a computer consultant. I didn't know anything about computers, but uh, other than I had a little ZX81 and could just program it in my sleep because it was just really easy. Somehow got into the IT industry and yeah, uh, got myself out of poverty there. And from then, I then started seeing once I was out of poverty, seeing what other things would I like to really do in life? And some of the things that started coming up were really, how can I help other people? And so I started studying all kinds of things, um, health and well-being. So I qualified as a homeopath, for example, and started doing disaster relief work as a homeopath. And yeah, um, just, you know, so many different things in life. But it was, for me, it was really about now that I'm comfortable and out of poverty what is it i can do for others because that's what really excites me that's what really drives me that's what really you know makes my heart sing so that's that's my passion and if we take it, uh your permaculture journey when did you first discover permaculture when did that come on there hmm. so if it's if the question is when i discovered it then the answer to that would be I used to live in Croatia and I was DJing, traveling around the world, met a girl. She said, well, why would you want to leave Croatia? Why would you want to go back to England? I had no answer. So I stayed. At that time, I was doing a lot of disaster relief work in quite in some quite dangerous places, you know, different earthquakes and cyclones and war zones and different places. And when this big tsunami hit, um, I was basically packing my bags to go and she wouldn't let me go it's like wow you're going to go to a country where you know the police are more likely to to rob and kill you than compared to the millions of people who are you know actually homeless it's you know you're going to such a lawless country and so basically she wouldn't let me go so I had to find something else I wanted to do so figured all right let's build a house let's uh let's grow food let's um 
So I started connecting with some of the local eco villages there. And they were like, wow, you should teach us this stuff. What do you mean me teach you? You should be teaching me. You're the ones living in an eco village. I come from a city. And they say, no, 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 but you really understand this. I'm like, dude, that's just common sense. It's like, what I know is just common sense. It's just what I've grown up with. It's There's nothing unusual about it. And so one thing led to another. They asked me to organize a an eco building workshop with someone. Uh, so I brought someone over from England to teach um, about natural building. Throughout the course, he kept mentioning permaculture. And it's like, and everything he was teaching was like, come on, you don't need to teach people this. This is just obvious. Why, why, why are people coming to, to learn this? And, um, and yeah, and every time you mentioned permaculture, it just seemed really logical. So at the end of the course, they then said, wow, can you organize someone to come and teach permaculture? And so that's where I heard of it the very first time. And then when I came back to England, I found a, a vegan punk anarchist permaculture teacher, Graham Burnett. It's like, yeah, that's my kind of energy. Let's go. Uh, so called him over and pretty much at the end of the course the students said they learned as much from me as they did from the teachers because in every um, every principle every idea every concept that he, that he was describing during the course I had a story about it how I'd already played with it how I'd already figured things out and how it was I was already applying it into my life so if the question was, when did I start studying permaculture? I would say that's probably when I was four years old, when my mum gave me my first cucumber plant to plant. And it's like, oh, my God, it's great. And look, whoa, whoa. And look, that, oh, and it's got, ah, and you can, wow. You know, what's going on here? Oh, my, yeah. You know, so that uh, I'm 50 something years old, but I'm still like that little four year old inside. I'm still totally fascinated. How does it work? But why? But why and how? And so, um, so just that, that absolute fascination with how life works, I guess that's really where permaculture, where I started studying permaculture, you know, when I started studying and being interested in life. And as I say, by the time I actually got onto a permaculture course, because of this attitude, again, because of coming from a poor family, you know, when something broke, we would work out how to fix it. You wouldn't just go out and buy another one. You know, if we needed some clothes, we'd make it. If we needed medicine, we'd go to the garden. Um, so all these things were just normal. You know, it was just normal. I didn't have to learn any of this stuff in a permaculture course because it was just life. Which is why my definition of permaculture is, uh, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I know, um, but I call it, you know, I say the permaculture is just common sense, but for a world where sense is no longer common. Because <laughs> it is, it's just common sense. It's just, yeah. just it's just doing everyday things in, a, in the most logical, practical, environmentally friendly way with a little bit of heart and soul and understanding for how you do things in a way that benefits everyone. And that for me is just common sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And, um, so you, you living in, uh, dealing with poverty when you were younger, learning these skills, now people are actually paying to learn these skills. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, sometimes I, I'm standing there thinking, am I really explaining this to somebody? Is someone actually paying me 
to actually explain this. This is just, you know, this is what I learned when I was 10 years old. Come on. It's really, um, but it's because of coming from, you know, from a marginalized group, uh, you know, from foreigners in England, even though I was born and brought up here, I always will be seen as a foreigner. And so I do not get the same opportunities as other people do, even though I was born and brought up here. Um, and so not being given those opportunities, not being given a chance uh, and coming from poverty, you you just have to make, you've got no choice, but you have to make the best of whatever it is you've got, whatever it is you can get access to, you just to make the most of it. So you learn how to do you learn how to be self-reliant completely yeah that is uh i think we're we're going to be forced back into that way sooner or later um because i noticed a lot of like the repair cafe movement uh all around the uk now is, is taking off mm-hmm. all around the world well, which is great getting people involved in fixing stuff and and and, and making the most of stuff so you you this is a so, you, so all this knowledge now, now you've formally got your pdc you've got your certificate uh, what's next then? What did you do then? You think, well, you've obviously a, a natural way of teaching. Um, what what did you think then? Right, you could you could go and teach this. Well, um, as I say, the at the end of the course, people said that they learnt as much from me as they did from the teacher. And then the teacher came to me and said, "Wow, you know more permaculture than most some of the permaculture teachers I know." Uh, you should be teaching this. And so, literally, I came back to England, and within Within two months, we were teaching together. So we did a couple of uh, permaculture courses. This is just as Transition Town was just kicking off. So I got involved in, in the, lo- the closest transition group to where I was living in Brixton and started teaching permaculture there. So bringing them my food growing skills and various other skills. And... Um, and yeah, before we knew it, you know, we had we were teaching so many people that then all of a sudden we organized a full permaculture and design course. And I think I taught three times with other people. And then because of my my love, my passion for traveling, meeting new people, going to unusual places, uh, I ended up in certain countries where there were no permaculture teachers. There's no one who'd studied permaculture. There was um a kind of need for it and the amount of money that it would cost to get a qualified permaculture teacher out there uh you know no one could afford it no one would be able to afford that so i i contacted the permaculture association said look i'm going to this country uh i don't mind doing it for this kind of price i don't mind doing it for people who you know they're, they're living in poverty and i just want to help them and um you know, and so I don't mind doing it, you know, as long as they cover my travel costs and feed me, take me somewhere interesting and look after me. That's all I need. I just need people and then I don't need the money. And um, and basically, uh, the Permaculture Association said, wow, you know, all the feedback that we've had from the people you've been teaching with and your students, just do it on your own. You're ready. Just just go teach. Uh, don't worry um, we trust you you can certify it on our behalf so in this way I was able to go to say so I think I taught the first ever permaculture course in Poland in uh, 
in the first ever course, I think, in Cyprus, in um, Serbia, first course in Serbia. I went, yeah, I just went all over and just to, to places, as I say, where where other people were not teaching and just to start getting some things going. So, yeah, it was fun. It was great fun. Yeah, so you combined your uh, your love of teaching, your worldly spread the spread the teachings in places where other people weren't and then you enjoyed yourself traveling as well meeting new people it's a good way to do it (laughs) my my attitude is i know that i've done well when people do not no longer need me to come to their country because there's now enough teachers there's now enough people now many people are with this kind of selfish mentality and attitude is like oh no i need to be the only person who can teach and it's all about me 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 uh i have completely opposite it's like the more people i teach and the more people i teach how to teach i don't need to go to that country anymore because they're now solid and now i can go somewhere else and i can spread it somewhere else and then somewhere else and then somewhere else and um yeah it's as i say it's a, a very different attitude to to a lot of people because uh, i i know if if I've taught so many people and there's so many permaculture teachers out there, fantastic, I can retire, you know. There's so many people living in an environmentally friendly way. I don't need to do this work anymore. I can just kick back all the forest gardens that I've designed around the world. I can just go from place to place and just everywhere I go, people say, hey, Rakesh, this is your home. Anytime you want to settle or anytime you just want to pass through, this is your home because I look after people so much. I put so much of my love, my passion into taking care of people that they take care of me. So I can go, I can just then travel the world. I can just go anywhere I want, two months here, two months there, two months somewhere else, just live with people that I really love being with in really magical places, full of food, full of love, full of, you know, and yeah, that could be my life. So I don't care if I'm teaching so many people that uh, that the world changes because of this and they start doing the work. I don't need to be teaching anymore. I can just live my life instead. I think you'll always be teaching by the sound of it. <laughs> well, actually, my name, Rakesh, actually yeah. in Sanskrit means Lord of the Full Moon. And what that means, but it's the perspective of the moon uh, as a guide. Now, the moon has no energy, it has no light of its own, but through its presence, it reflects the suns. And so Rakesh is someone who teaches through his presence. That's what my name actually means in Sanskrit. And as you may know, with Sanskrit, every character in the Sanskrit alphabet is uh, represents a vibration, one of the 52 vibrations of the universe. So anything in this universe can be described as a combination of those 52 vibrations and so when you use a sanskrit name you're representing you're deeply representing its vibration so the fact that my name was is rakesh and people have for 50 odd years have been calling me rakesh i've imbibed that energy and so i am a teacher in my presence so yeah you can't take that out of me <laughs> it is who i am can you tell us what kind of challenges you've encountered teaching on your travels I've got hundreds of stories, hundreds of stories. I've had a machete at my head. I've had, um, I mean, wow, where to even begin? Um, 
from uh, what? Okay, so there's a lot of cultural differences wherever you go, and so for example, the first time I taught in Romania, you know, my way I I don't actually call myself a teacher. I call myself a facilitator of learning, because what my role is is not to teach anything to anyone, but to get people to learn for themselves. So I, I paint a picture, I give people a scenario, I put them in a particular mindset and then get them to try and work out what the solution is. And so it, that can only happen with dialogue. And so the first time in Romania, for example, I would ask a question, silence. Okay. So I'd ask another question, silence. And it took three, four days before I really realized what was going on. And um, and and what I had to do is because, you know, there's a certain mentality in certain places where uh, they're expecting, no, the teacher just tells us stuff. The teacher just tells us stuff. And then later on, we'll look it up and we'll work it out somehow and we'll just regurgitate it through notes. Uh, but we're not actually expected to think. And so when I was asking questions, they were like, really, oh, what, why, why is he asking us a question? Uh, and no one would answer, literally no one would answer. So I had to set it up in really safe ways where two people would talk to each other. So everyone would be in pairs, chatting away, chatting away. And then, right, now I'll get into groups of four. Uh, and now one of you four feedback something to me. And this way, bit by bit, piece by piece by piece, uh, getting their confidence and getting, you know, and continuously explaining, look, uh, when I ask you a question, I, I'm asking you, what do you think this is? So whatever your answer is, it's correct. There's no wrong answer because it's what you think it is. I'm not saying what is right and what is wrong, but what do you think this is? What do you think may happen if we put this next to that? What do you think? And whatever you think is correct, because that's what you think. And so continuously reminding people this is a really safe place to express yourself. Uh, you get the confidence and then people start expressing themselves. And by the end, we were laughing and joking and it was all really wonderful. But it took quite a time because of this cultural difference to to actually get people expressing themselves. In um, When you go, for example, to rural parts of India, depending on who's on the course, it's a huge difference if you're teaching uh, a middle-class Indian from the city compared to if you're teaching a villager uh, or a person who's just, you know, has no formal education whatsoever and is just there just to work on the land. And they're all in the class together and you have to somehow get them to gel and start connecting. And, and again, you know, there's so many cultural differences there that it takes a while before you kind of, you know, you really get both parties to kind of start seeing, deeply seeing each other. And, and I mean, deeply seeing each other, not just the, the what they perceive each other to be, and then really opening up. And, you know, the first time I remember uh, taking people like white, uh, sorry, um, middle class to upper class Indians to an Indian village and showing and you know and getting them to look around and start connecting with the locals and, and the locals looking like why are they looking at my toilet system like what these are like they live in like 
we're looking at my latrine what's what what's going on and then to try and explain to them well actually you know these people have messed up their world so much that uh, they they realize and recognize the simplicity of your life and how beautiful that life can be to a certain extent um and so they are now looking to you for inspiration so you are actually their teachers you are actually their guides and the first few times they just didn't get this at all but then once we're taking you know three third fourth fifth group there then they really started to see and really started to feel you could sense their their pride in uh, in explaining how they build their houses they would you know if they're for example seasonal workers they'd come to a farm they build up their their huts you know just from bamboo a type of bamboo uh cob it in doo -doo -doo, thatched roof rule and beautifully i mean really intricate really beautiful handwork and uh, just build their houses up knowing that when the monsoon comes poof, it's it's gone but then they're, they're out of there by that time they're back to wherever they actually where their families live and then next year they'll come back and build it again and you know and when you when you see the pride in you know in when as say the, these middle class to upper class indians come and look and are just in absolute awe of the beauty and the skill required to actually make these houses. And you can see this, this rapport between the two developing. Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. And that sort of parallels your experience as well from people, uh, the, the people in poverty not realizing the skills that they have and the value of them. Um, if we could touch on, so as, as a as a PDC graduate and somebody who has a PDC now he wants to go teach permaculture, it obviously came naturally. So somebody says to you, you should teach it. It's it's obviously natural. So from someone looking to teach it who's not quite ready, or who's someone, how would you advise someone to get into teaching? So I actually teach people how to teach as well. So I do permaculture teach training courses, and the the key thing that I impress upon people is teach from the heart. Teach about things that you really know about. Things that when, because honestly, most people will forget 90% of what you have said. What they'll remember is your passion. They'll remember your stories. They'll remember... And through those stories, that's how they will reconnect to the content. That if you give them 10 facts, they may remember one at the most. If they don't use it within a few weeks, they'll have forgotten every single fact you've just given them. So, whereas if you tell a story, I was at uh, the Permaculture Convergence here in England uh, last year, and one woman came up to me and she said, Oh, you're Rakesh. Oh, yeah, I'd done that course with you about no, like 12 years ago. She said, oh, I remember that story you told me 12 years ago. It actually was the first ever introduction to permaculture that I actually taught, and she was on that course. And the story that I told her, I honestly don't even think that I told that story. I can't, it's it, I honestly can't imagine myself telling that story in a course. It was my story, but it's like, um, and I could understand it, but I can't imagine why I would say that in a course. But she remembered it so well. 
And she said, yeah, I've been holding on to this for so long and have only just after 10 years got back into permaculture two years ago. But, but I remember that story so well. So the pathway for me to getting into permaculture is, first of all, you need your stories. So you need to get out there. So within the first two years, I'd made 60 permaculture designs and, and implemented at least half of them. Uh, some were kind of theoretical. Uh, some were for other people. Um, but the key thing is, is to get designing, get creative, get to start thinking like an ecosystem and you know use the tools use the methodologies use the 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 yeah the, all the principles and deeply get to understand them and know them so if anyone asks you about them you've got a story because you've put it into action but you've got your story not someone else's story not a youtube kind of i'm I, yeah not into the, this youtube learning you know meaning uh someone just showing you lots of techniques that they've done and thinking that those techniques is what makes permaculture. For me, that's that's um, that's actually quite dangerous because what you end up with is people who just learn a technique. They don't understand what's behind the technique. They don't understand how to actually implement it correctly and how to adjust it for their particular uh, environment. So the number of people who come to me and say, oh, no, I'd love to make that kind of compost, but I can't because I don't have this particular material. I'm like, yeah, but that's just green stuff. And look, all you've got all around, you've got loads of green stuff. Really? No, 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 no. Very specifically, I need this. No, you don't. You just need green stuff and brown stuff. You mix it together and you keep it, you know, aerated, you know. They don't understand the principles of what's going on behind it. Or, you know, I go to farms and you see, you know, where they maybe someone else has come and taught permaculture and you know, in um, I remember going to Portugal once and this particular farm, they built these raised beds, these huge raised beds. I'm like, in Portugal, are you serious? Like, why have you done that? Oh, because we learned it on a permaculture course. Yeah, but that's going to absorb all of the heat. You know, it's going to absorb so much excess heat. And so it's going to dry out you're going to, I mean, how many, how more often are you watering this particular plot compared to that plot, you know, next door, uh, you know, like uh, 20 meters away? And you're like, yeah, you know what? It's about five times more. Yeah. Come in, go range. Again, good technique, but in completely the wrong place. So just learning techniques. Techniques are not permaculture, they're one dimensional solution to a problem. You know, permaculture is three dimensional, even four dimensional, because you put time into it. You put, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's about interconnectedness. Uh, it's not just the technique. The technique is the result of all the design part, which is the understanding of all the different components that then leads you to thinking, ah, in this particular case, in this particular environment, this is the best way to achieve that and it's a really creative solution so to just teach what your teacher has passed on to you is not a good way to start your it's not a good way to start teaching what you need is you need to really and you have to be a good teacher to get something across that is really passionate that is really alive and people will really love you for 
is to experiment yourself, mess things up, make mistakes, work out how you correct those mistakes, and then you've got some stories. Then you deeply know and deeply understand. And um, and yeah, and then you've got something to tell. And, and you know, so once you've got a story to tell, then go about doing it and, and teaching it. So if that means specializing in a particular area because you can't be a, a you know, you don't have the time, capacity or experience to cover many, many, many different subjects, do that. Just concentrate, but really get to know a subject get hands-on real life experience uh, you know it's really obvious to me you know when when i'm talking to people who learn how to for example make a swale just from youtube and they've never actually done it they've never actually really dug it uh so they've never actually seen how it works what does and what doesn't work it's really obvious so um yeah so to get that first-hand experience and then just tell the world but tell it from your heart with passion and love and that's that for me is the way that i teach and learn, or facilitate learning what's your creative process in creating your pdc content at the end of the day you need to make the content appropriate for whoever's in front of you and make it and so you need to speak their language and so you need to really have a, a keen eye for the people who you're working with uh or who are in front of you and and understand at what level are they you know have they all studied agriculture you know wow okay great because i haven't studied agriculture so you, you can probably help me to explain some of the you know the stuff that i i couldn't explain but i've been growing food since i was four years old so i can explain certain things in i can explain it from my perspective but maybe if you know about you know the all the different chemical levels this that and the other fantastic if that's what we want to explore so you need to understand who you're working with um what what level of language you need to uh, work with the map in terms of um experimenting and getting things wrong this is something that i find really quite quite debilitating in this society this this idea that uh, once you've learned something you must get it right you must know it and so there's no room for failure in any of this and this is so abhorrent because um if you look at any child any animal a puppy a kitten or something it plays it experiments it tries it fails it messes things up it learns it tries again it fails it tries again then it deeply learns and to think that we as humans will just because someone has you know told us something that somehow we've understood it well enough to actually be able to do it right this is absolute nonsense it's it's um you know the way well i can speak for myself the way that i learn is by doing it and i i learn by getting things wrong by experimenting and continuously tweaking and tweaking even if someone tells me how to do something it's not that i don't trust them but i don't know it until i've done it myself so if someone wants me to teach them how to do something that I've never done before, um, I'm not going to attempt to, well, what I do, I, I remember one case at a big conference, they asked me to teach about um, straw, you know, growing food in straw bales. Well, I've never done that before. 
but there I was in front of like 40 people doing an, ex you know, I had like two, three hours. We had to work out how to. So I just said, right, this is how I would approach it. So I said to them right at the beginning, hey, I've never done this in my life. Where I live in London, we don't have straw bales. It's not an, it's not a, you know, it's not something that we get access to easily. So I've never done this before, but hey, let's work this out. Where does, what, what are the circumstances? What kind of soil do we need? What kind of, you know, what environment do we need to grow things in? So we need nutrients, we need water, we need wind protection, we need da 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 da. We need bacteria and life and so on and so forth. So how much of that do we have in this straw bell? Well, we've got protection. We've got some kind of biomass. But is it broken down enough to actually be nutrients? No, not really. So what do we do? How do, 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 how do we, where do we get water from? Look, if we put this one straw bale, you know, in the middle of a field, totally exposed, how long do you think before it will dry out? Okay, so what else do we need? How can we protect it? How, and literally bit by bit, we built up um, through thinking, experimenting, how to actually solve this problem rather than me teaching them how to do it. And it genuinely was that I've never done it before. And we got into, I don't know, seven or eight groups. And I gave them the, some basic ideas. We gave them a starting point. And right now, go off and make it. And every single person, every single group made it a different way. They solved the same problems in a different way. And this, for me, is beautiful because they've used their imagination. They've used their... Uh, understanding to solve it uniquely so it's not just copy paste copy paste copy paste it's they've worked it out for themselves so that that's what i mean by um learning to fail is, is having opportunities to try things out test things out for yourself learn experiment and, and just have fun just you know enjoy it you know the work we're doing in this you know this uh it's serious work. You know, we're trying to save the planet. It's like serious work. But who said we can't have fun while we're doing it? Yeah, uh -huh. let's get people together and, and just really enjoy doing, being together, enjoy being with each other and making stuff happen. And if it doesn't work, let's just laugh and get on with it. And, you know, if we keep making the same mistake again and again, then there's something wrong with that. But, hey, not to, not to think of something that's not going well as being a failure and that we are a failure that is the most demeaning most ridiculous thing that i can imagine no so what i actually teach my students is to say try something out but never ever ever say i am going to do this what you say is i'm going to experiment with doing this i'm going to experiment to try and grow mangoes in the center of london and you know soon enough i'll see that actually the mango tree as soon as it gets to zero degrees centigrade will die all right didn't work but now i know but it was an experiment and i figured out yes uh, without some kind of modification of the environment to ensure it doesn't go below zero i'm not going to be able to grow mangoes in london and that's I know, it. it's not a failure i know a guy who tried to do that in Walsall. <laughs> I don't think he managed it. Uh, no, I think I, I, I would agree with that. It has to be fun, and because uh, to encourage people to do it, it, you have to take away that risk of failure. It's like uh, you're going to fail, you're not going to get it right, and that just spreads the word and gets people uh, out in the garden, gets people having fun, their hands in the dirt, which is 
is really healthy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some great advice there for teachers as well. They go get your hands in the dirt, go try, go make mistakes, go learn, go create your own stories. I think that's fantastic. Rakesh, do you want to tell us about your community that you have? You have an online community? So anyone who studies with me joins this Roots and Permaculture Network. I don't know if you can see that logo. Um, so it's a, it's a network of, as I say, anyone who studied with me. And what we do, and again, it, it's, it's led by the students. It's led by the community. So they basically, I, I, I teach many of them sociocracy, so collaborative decision-making. And then we use that sociocracy to decide, well, what is this community? What does it do? How do we? So typically at the end of a PDC, I'll do an exercise where I'll ask a series of seven questions that starts with, uh, if you knew you could not fail, what is it that you would be doing to change this world? So we start with a big question like that. And then bit by bit, we dig, 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 dig. This comes from the work, the work that reconnects, if, you, if you're familiar with that. It's not really worth looking at. And you dig, 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 dig until you basically get a project plan. So from this big picture of what you would want to do to change the world down to, all right, what resources do you need? What information do you need? What, who, who can help you? La, 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 la. And all of a sudden, you've got a project plan of what's the next step you're going to take to actually make this happen. So from that, everyone goes through their own exercise of doing that. Then they express, uh, all right, how are we going to make this happen? How are we actually going to make all of these projects actually really happen? And so one of the most significant things that people realize and recognize is you need colleagues. You need people to help you. You need people to ask advice from. You need to you know be able to soundboard things. So... Uh, that's what this network's for. It's here as, and there's actually, yeah, it's the 12th of every month. So uh, it's actually going to happen tomorrow. There'll be a, a meeting and we will, you know, and so this is where people can come and bring their designs and show their designs. There's a particular farm in the Netherlands who says they want to show their design that they're, they're starting to implement now. Uh, we talk about all kinds of subjects, you know. So the last month we had, it was a very, child-centered kind of uh, um, or yeah a young people's education kind of theme I don't know there was some, someone one of my students was took the information that she gleaned from me about forest gardening and started to see how could she teach this to school kids so she's been doing that for the last two three years and so she came back to report on how she's done it what le- lessons she's learned what you know what she needs to tweak and really fantastic really beautiful to see you know uh, the work that she's doing there's other people talking about how to bring poem culture to children you know um again one of the projects i started was the whole children in poem culture project um and so yeah every every month it's different every month so um yeah every month we, we have a you know People could come with whatever information, whatever knowledge, or just to share silly stories. It's whatever the, whatever they want from it. It's just a time for, you know, and what I find is there's quite a few people from really remote parts of the world who have no other friends in the permaculture world around them. And to be able to come online and just meet some people and just have someone to talk to, you know, 
the number of times you know people come and say things like none of my friends would understand why i why i why i'm so passionate about this particular stuff you're the only people i can tell this particular story to and then wow, they unleash a story that we all resonate with and it's like wow really ah great so yeah none of my other friends could ever even understand why i would be telling this story you guys understand me and so just to be there for people uh, that's what this network's about so it's completely for free you know uh, once you've done a course with me this is all totally run by the students for the students and they invite me to participate or I, it happens even if I'm not there quite often I'm, I'm teaching so I can't be there it goes on anyway so yeah so it's just a network and obviously in that network I try to encourage people to become teachers I try to encourage them to go out and you know either come and co-teach with me or um you know, and then eventually start doing it themselves. I encourage them to make designs, finish designs, whatever, you know, to just basically spread, you know, spread earth care, people care, fair share around the world. Yeah, that's, that's great stuff. I think it's something else you'll be doing. And as well, I, I uh, having a background in electronics as well, I was intrigued by your, your I seen you put the capacitors on the YouTube video. Uh -huh. that's great mixing <laughs> permaculture and electronics it was like uh, that's class do you want to tell us about that project so there's actually three four projects um all kind of designed to interlink and merge it's a proper permaculture idea so one aspect is because many of the marginalized voices very rarely get heard and it's quite difficult to actually get uh, people from the margins involved in permaculture because for whatever reasons. So I've actually got a course which is actually looking at um, at encouraging people from marginalized communities to do a permaculture course, knowing and recognizing that actually they come in with some really amazing skills. So that's one part of it. We're also looking at how to decolonialize permaculture because you know if we look at the whole pattern of where um you know many indigenous populations and, and including you know many people here in in the west in the uk etc lived in an environmentally friendly way they lived within the cycles until a particular mentality came and said you peasants you ignorant people you're you're a witch you know you're living within the cycles of life you know you know how herbs and oh, oh, witch kill you kill you and you know, or peasant, you know, we need to, so particular culture came and told cultures, no, 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 you're, you're stupid for thinking that way. You should live like this, this, this destructo culture way. Um, and then all of a sudden, having now finally, you know, most of the world has now adopted this destructo culture mentality. Now more white people are coming along and saying, no, you idiots, what are you doing like that for? It's terrible, you should be doing it like this. And so more white people telling people what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Whereas, and if you look at it, a lot of the uh, roots of permaculture came from indigenous peoples. You know, all the inspiration comes from them. So it's about how do we return it to them and say, thank you very much for bringing this to our attention, for living in this way and for being our inspiration to help change this world. So there's that aspect. 
Another aspect is to give these people a voice. I've been um, uh, yeah, setting this up in such a way that we can actually start vocalizing this so start writing songs and poems and you know, spoken word etc so that's another aspect of the and i've got a certain number of well we're about to get some funding to write a permaculture reggae album which we will press on a bio vinyl so an environmentally friendly vinyl and then the next part of it is uh the part that you're you're asking about is how do we perform this so we can perform this by making pedal powered uh, PA systems. So I don't have a background in electronics. I don't really understand, but I know enough to put these things together. And so, yeah, I, um, yeah, I can make stuff. I, I say I don't understand science. I never, I, I, I skipped school from the age of twelve. I mentally was not at school. I totally ignored everything the teachers were telling me. So I don't have a background in science, but I can still work out electronic components what they're supposed to do how they work how to test them just out of my own enthusiasm and my own inquisitiveness so we're building these bike powered generators and the idea is that we can then take them out either as an individual bike on its own and use it to show people and teach people about energy efficiency uh, that may be the but that's just the catch that's just the the what's the term that the kind of Hook, the show buzz know. piece <laughs> yeah to, to bring to get people in and then you can have all kinds of other conversations with them once you know because you put a pedal powered generator with all the lights and all the sounds and whatnot people are attracted people come they start talking to you and then you can talk about all kinds of other things and um and yes yeah, so so there's that aspect so we can take this into schools into gurdwaras into mosques into temples into churches into scout groups into wherever wherever people congregate wherever people come together let's get them talking and and then can then we can build up you know we can put six seven bikes together and generate a decent amount of energy and you know make a full reggae pa system and uh take it out to different festivals and different places and you know we can run cinema we can run as say music systems all pedal powered um as you probably know the actual efficiency of turning pedal power into electricity uh is not the most efficient way of making electricity but it's fun and people love it people engage and as say and just the physical ability to be able to see the difference between cycling and generating enough to make a 13 watt led light bulb light up compared to like a 60 watt light bulb which wow can i even make that oh look oh, it's, it's getting bright yeah 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 look i've got some light yay you know um just that physical tangible um you know feeling for energy and then you can start asking right so that was 13 watts that was 60 watts and then you ask people a question so how much does your phone charge how much how much energy does that need how long would you need to cycle for to phone you to charge your phone up what about to keep a, a television set going what about this what about that then you get on to things like kettles and toasters and the number of people who have no idea of how much energy these things consume and you know and they'll be guessing at oh is it about 30 watts 
maybe 100 watts maybe and then you show it to them i'm not going to spoil spoil it by telling you on <laughs> now but just go and have a look <laughs> go and have a look you know 100 watts okay oh, actually i do have a 100 watt um kettle uh heater but it'll take you 45 minutes almost an hour just to boil a cup of uh you know one cup of tea using that um Anyway, that might give you a clue as to how much a toaster or a, a kettle actually takes. But go look it up. I encourage you, go get your kettle. Look at the bottom. It will tell you how many watts. Look it up. Are there any other teaching challenges that you encounter? Yeah, there's always an opportunity for people to learn. And so as a facilitator of learning, that's that's your role is to see what are those opportunities? Where is this person right now? And what question do I need to get them to think about to actually get them to understand a particular subject? So it's not what do I tell them? Because remember, you're, if you tell them something, they won't remember. But what questions, what scenario can I paint? You know, can, I can see where they're at right now. So what question can I ask them that gets them to deeply think about something? That, oh, my, yeah, wow, yeah, ah, you know? How do you get those kind of aha moments in people? And um, and that's really the skill. You know, it's it's not about teaching. It's about facilitating learning, getting people to work things out for themselves so that they can actually do it in reality. Um, for me, that's that's really important to, to, to make that distinction. Because yeah. otherwise I'd be a professor. I'd be a... Uh, <laughs> No, I don't profess. I'm an amateur. Comes, you know, amour comes from love. I do things out of love, not out of I profess to do something. So I'm an amateur, and I'm happy to be an amateur and do everything from love and compassion. Well, that definitely comes across uh, very well. Uh, Rakesh, it's we're nearly at an hour now. It, it's been great having you on. Where where can people find you? So. I have a, a, a some kind of online presence. I'm really rubbish when it comes to self promotion. I've um, mostly Facebook. Uh, I've I, I started to use Instagram a little bit, but Twitter. Uh, I've got a website, but it's it's just a dump of stuff. It doesn't really get updated. But there's some really great stuff on there. There's a lot of um, well, there's when I had to get my diploma again. For me to get a piece of paper to say that I can do what everyone can clearly see I can do doesn't make sense. And to have to spend a thousand or two thousand pounds to get that piece of paper, I'm not interested in diplomas. Um, but I was kind of forced to get one. So I had to write up 10 things. So I put those 10 things on the Internet. You can find those designs. Uh, you can find like uh, mind maps for socioxy for collaborative decision making. You can find, yeah, there, there's quite a few things. So when I, so I make like rocket stoves and biochar cook stoves, and so there's many resources for how I build them and things like that just on the website. So you can find my website, but I I can give you one link, which is just um, uh, it's campsite dot bio forward slash rakesh and that then gives you a link to all of my other stuff including my youtube channel 
it gives you uh I've, i started a podcast i'm really rubbish at keeping up stuff like this but i started a podcast explaining permaculture through reggae so it's like 70 80 music reggae and then me talking in between but each tune is specifically uh selected you know to explain so when we're talking about earth care you know the song is talking about you know earth care or if we're talking about you know the destructo culture the song is talking about this mentality where does this mentality come from to destroy the earth etc etc so it's it's a kind of exploration of permaculture through reggae music um so yeah so you can find that on on there as well and That's various good. little youtube clips and stuff yeah we can put that link in the description and uh, and the show notes yeah. As they say, <laughs> always want to say that. <laughs> I'm going to tell us what you've got coming up for now and in the future. So, again, I don't have it at the top of my head, but yeah, you're right. So I've got, uh, I think uh, the next course is actually, well, I'm doing something in Germany, but that is uh, a funded place. It's like, it's like a youth exchange, but for youth leaders. So it's a youth leaders exchange. So where we build stuff, we make things. We, you know, we'll be building. Last time we started to build, we built a rocket uh, stove inside a house. We built, uh, yeah. So it'd be a really practical, theoretical, fun uh, thing in Halle, Sale in Germany. Then straight after that, I'll go to the Dutch Permaculture Convergence. And immediately after that, which is in Tilburg, then immediately after that, I'll do a two-week permaculture design course, also in the Netherlands. Then I come back here. I've got a permaculture course uh, in August in Glastonbury at a really amazing place called Crops Not Shops. Really fantastic project. Really worth coming to see that. Then, yeah, I'll be in Denmark doing a permaculture course, but it's within an eco-village design education course. So I'll just do the two weeks permaculture within that. Um, and then we go to India. And in India, I'll be doing a whole bunch of stuff, but the key, the kingpin is I teach people, I'm also a qualified homeopath, and I do a lot of stuff with naturopathy. And so I've got this course where I kind of mix my tantric understanding of how to find balance in life, you know, physical, mental and spiritual balance. You know, what does that even mean? Uh, how are we doing? You know, so if we're imbalanced in any of those, uh, this is what this imbalance starts to create tension. And that tension creates dis-ease, you know, ill at ease, dis-ease. So understanding where that imbalance is. So maybe we're really good, you know, we have a really great diet. We're, we're physically very, very active, but mentally we are all over the place mentally where you know and or it could be you know wherever there's an imbalance if we find ways to rebalance that then we can have a really sharp you know really beautiful existence and um so we use different diagnostic tools we use this tantric diagnostic tool to understand that uh then we start looking physically we use the naturopathic diagnostics for looking at the physical well-being We'll then um, have learn lots of naturopathic treatments. So the actual venue is actually a naturopathic um, center. Really beautiful, really remote, really wonderful. And we all get, including me, two naturopathic treatments every day. That's why I'm going. 
Um, beautiful food, beautiful people. We get treated every day by really wonderful people and we get to learn how to practice on each other. And then we put that all that analysis of what we want to do into a permaculture design. So instead of it being like a New Year's resolution, yeah, I'm going to go running. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, it's in a design. So how do we make it follow our flow? So it's much more likely that we'll actually put it into action. And many of the people who've done this course say it's totally, completely changed their lives. It has some really strong impact. So, so yes, we'll be going to do that. And um, we'll be going to visit some... Some ancient forest gardens, you know, forest gardens that have been going continuously for thousands of years. We'll be going, yeah, we're doing all kinds of stuff. We'll connect with the whole children's parliament, the sociocratic children's parliament. Yeah, loads of things. Let's, yeah. So you'll, we'll you'll have to come it. back. You'll have to come back on and tell us all about that. <laughs> no, just come, come with us and yeah, come, come with us and um, you know, and figure it, see it for yourself. You know? Yeah, don't trust nice. me. Do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's good advice. Um, we'll make sure we shall, uh, share all your stuff in, in our social media to, to let, let people know what's happening. Okay, guys, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Great having you on. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Thanks very much for all the stuff you're doing and for getting the word of permaculture out there and getting people together to actually start making designs and, yeah, change this world. So thank you for the valuable work that you're doing as well and for all the listeners um simple advice is uh just do it just just get out there just try just experiment and remember don't say you're going to do anything just say you're going to experiment and do things so just get on with it and make something happen and learn along the way bring people with you encourage others to help you and and yeah let's just make this world this beautiful wonderful loving place that we all know that it really truly can be this, this really can be paradise um we need to make it that way so yeah good luck see you on the journey see you i'm not going to say anything more because i couldn't top that <laughs> see you all later thanks wonderful thanks for, thanks for listening Take care. cheers <laughs>